Okay, so this is part two of our current event. Actually, it's part, oh my word, I guess part six of our current event weekly Bible study for December, 7, December 9th, 2007. I'm getting a little confused because I normally don't carry teachings over into, into a separate week, but this is so much material to cover, I had to do it. We're going to be talking uh, today, continuing about Devil Maitreya and how... Reinhard Bunke clearly predicted his um, emergence, clearly predicted the day that he would appear, to who he would appear, and these types of things. We're going we're gonna to look right now at the history of what they call the Worldwide Awakening. Now this is from a Pentecostal source. This is straight from their literature. It's from 1992 to 1995. This is how all the line signs and wonders and all the stuff really started getting cranked up within the Pentecostal charismatic community within those years. And I'm going to be skipping around a little bit for the sake of getting through this material. This article was published on October 15, 1995. The introduction reads, During the early 1990s, a revival or a reawakening of the Christian faith became evident in many parts of the world. No, it was a revival of the Lion Signs and Wonders movement, which came in many parts of the world. Receiving its initial impetus from the ministries of many people, including... Rodney Howard Brown, the Holy Ghost bartender is what he calls himself. He, he invites you to belly up to the bar and have a drink from the Holy Ghost. I'm not lying, I've seen him say the words. And then, and then everybody starts laughing in the crowd uncontrollably because the demons take over. Well, those people want those demons. There's no barriers up. They're inviting them. The Bible says that everything should be done in decency and in order. There's nothing decent in an order about the whole crowd bursting out in uncontrollable laughter. What they should be doing is weeping and mourning for the sins that they've allowed into the church. But no, no, they, they glory in their shame. So if we go further, um, by people like Rodney Howard Brown, a South African evangelist ministering in the United States, and then Cindy Jacobs of Colorado Springs, Colorado. This outpouring of God's Spirit touched a large number of people in many places. Oh yeah, it touched them. Or actually, what it does more likely curse them. An unusual visitation among the vineyard churches, which originated in Mississauga, Ontario, outside of Toronto, on January 20th, 1994, also brought a, quote, new anointing. Oh, that's always a word you have to look out for. To many people in the mainline denominational. Well, so much for the Bible saying, well, seek ye the old past, wherein is wisdom. No, they always want something new and different. Because they have to have some emotional thing to charge them up. Some new thing. Because what they're running on isn't the Lord Jesus Christ. It's some emotion, some demonic manifestation. And they have to keep having more and more and more. And more and more radical. And that's why the Pentecostal and the Charismatics are only getting worse. The devil's getting them exactly what they want. So, this new anointing came to many people in mainline denominational and non-denominational churches throughout the world. At all the meetings associated with this fresh outpouring, another buzzword of the um, Pentecostal Charismatics, uh, associated with this fresh outpouring, there has been many emotional and physical healings. Ah, now we're getting into the line signs and wonders. Many people have encountered God anew or afresh, and have been <laughs> just uh, and have been brought to a place of repentance and brokenness. Give me a break on the repentance and brokenness stuff. 
if they were repenting, they should first repent of going to one of these churches. And brokenness, please, give me a break. Anything goes in these churches. They're the worst ones to bring in the Christian rock. The lying signs and wonders and all these other abominations, glorying in their shame, bringing in the world. Being irreverent, not using the right Bible, yoking themselves up with the state. Please, if they were broken and repentant, they wouldn't be doing that in the first place. What a joke. People have often fallen down under the anointing of the Holy Spirit and become, quote, drunk in the Spirit. Remember what I said Rodney Howard Brown was? The Holy Ghost, the supposedly the Holy Ghost bartender? They become drunk in the Spirit, like they are drunk. Now, if you've ever seen video clips of this, just go up to uh, Google. You can probably find this release. You just key in drunk and then in the Holy Spirit. You probably find all kind of videos where you can watch people and they actually are drunk. It's demonic, basically possession is what we're talking about here. They become and again, show me this precedent in the New Testament where people became out of control of their faculties. They became drunk in the spirit. They started falling down. And show me this precedent in the New Testament. Being of the Lord. And then it said, become uh, filled with a. Then it said, after they were drunk in the spirit, and they became filled with the joy of the Lord. Oh, doesn't this all sound nice? Well, isn't that how Satan comes with all nice line signs and wonders and nice words? And then they, they laugh almost uncontrollably, or weeping or shaking. Large numbers of children have been affected. You know, Jesus says it would be better if a millstone were hung about your neck and you were cast in the midst of the sea, then you offend one of these little ones that believe in me. They're destroying these children's faith because they're basically... It's almost as though they're trying to get these kids demonically possessed as possible from the earliest possible age. Just like Harry Potter. What, what, what hope are these kids going to have to ever break free from this? So if this is all they've ever known. And I'm not saying the Lord can't intervene. But if you think about it, that's what's happening. Large number of children are being affected. Many of whom have reported seeing visions of heavenly things. Phenomenon of this kind characterized a revival that begun in 1992 in Buenos Aires, Argentina, under Cardo Fredazon, according to a publication of the Assemblies of God Mountain Movers. Now, remember, the Assemblies of God are one of the ones that we're going to be talking about in the coming weeks. They're the ones that have yoked up with Rick Warren at Saddleback Church in um, oh, the Willow Creek guy, Hybels. And they went to the Muslims, and they've said, "Listen, we all we all worship the same God. We're we're from the same Father Abraham. Then we need to just put aside our differences and just get along. We worship the same God, and that's a lie from the pit of hell. And we're going to prove that. I'm going to do a dedicated teaching on this whole Muslim hypocrisy thing. But um, the assemblies of God um, are yoked up with all this, and they were at this." Pastor Fredazon's meetings, as people entered into adoration and worship, some became drunk on the Spirit and could not stand up. Oh, I've been there on this. Some of the people in our home church here have been there. We've been there. This is powerful stuff. This is powerful, charismatic witchcraft. And it does seem very real when you're in the midst of it. Trust me, it does. I just praise the Lord we got out. And then it says, others laughed in the Spirit and fell under the power of God. 
Each service lasted six to seven hours. Outside, hundreds waited in lines that stretched around the block to get into church so that they could view and witness all the line signs and wonders. So I added that last part in myself. Uh, Doug just brought up a really great point that he had been reading uh, John Wesley's journals um, and that this was during the 1700s that they were having a revival and it was a revival going pretty good up to a certain point. It was going to good. People were getting saved. People were under repentance. And then at some point in this revival, people started laughing uncontrollably during the services. And this is the thing that John Wesley recorded in his journals was what basically destroyed the whole revival. And that he couldn't figure out a way to even stop this. Now, um, my estimation would be that you would actually <laughs> get in these people's face and rebuke them in the name of Jesus Christ. I mean, I mean, rebuke these devils, because this is a demonic manifestation. But back then, it was such a foregone conclusion when John Wesley was writing in, in these journals that it really wasn't a point of debate. He knew that's what was ruining the, the revival. He knew it was demonic, and there wasn't. But see, now they glory in their shame. They say, "Oh no, no, no! This is what's actually bringing us into the presence of God. This is how deluded and undiscerning these pseudo Christians have become." I know I was one of them at one point. So, um, you know, I walked in those shoes. I think I'm, I, I've got a pretty good—I uh, don't know—that they, they expression about you know, don't judge another unless you walked into their shoes. Well, I've been there. I was Mr. Radical Pentecostal. I've been there, and uh, I know the uh, deception that can overtake one. So, if we go further, it says in this article, it says, in one case, when Aileen Baxley was at, this is another church we're talking about, Halcombe's church, people were slain in the Spirit everywhere. Again, show me that in the New Testament, slain in the Spirit. She would hug people in the foyer, and they would fall down. At the same time outside, people who were getting out of their cars were falling down under the power of the Spirit as their feet hit the pavement. And it caused a lot of problems for those who were trying to park their cars in the church parking lot. Can you imagine all these, you know, heaps of people slain in the Spirit in the parking lot? Oh, so much for everything should be done to decency and in order, you know. <laughs> so much for that Bible verse. So much for that there's no biblical precedence whatsoever in either the new or the old that this could be a manifestation of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. How is his name getting glorified? you got people driving by and these people are laying in heaps in the parking lot, slain in the spirit, maybe cackling their, their you know, and, and, and this looks like it's of God. It's a joke to the people on the outside who are unsaved that sees this and all it does to them is confirm that they're a bunch of nutcases. I know because, you know, with my parents they've seen enough of this to know that, you know, this isn't of God. They're unsaved and they know it's not of God. And then if we go further, according to Bob Roach, I wouldn't want that as a last name, Roach. I'm sorry, I would change my name. I wouldn't want to be associated with that insect. Sorry, maybe can't help it. Anyway, according to Bob Roach, prior to the awakening associated with Rodney Howard Brown's ministry, and that of Toronto Airport Vineyard. That's another, the Toronto Revival deal. When Laverne and Edith Tripp visited Calvary Worship Center, Laverne was slain in the spirit as soon as she arrived. And had to be carried into the sanctuary to preach. Oh, good. A woman preacher slain in the spirit that had to be carried. What better scenario could we have? I mean, really biblical here. You know? At the same time... He said, 
Your church is the best kept secret in America. Laverne and Edith Tripp. Oh, I guess he's a guy. Oh, I didn't know that. I never heard of a man named Laverne. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, he had to be carried in the sanctuary to preach. He says, your church is the best kept secret in America. Well, what, the best kept demonic secret? It wasn't a secret for very long. In 1991 or 92, Dr. Ron Shaw brought in, guess who? Reinhard Bunke, Shaw's brother-in-law. And there was a tremendous impartation, another Pentecostal buzzword, a tremendous impartation given to the pastors who were there. Now remember, this all started around 1992. But in 91 or 92, Ron Shaw brought in Reinhard Bunke who happened to be Shaw's brother-in-law, and there was a tremendous impartation given to the pastors who were there, including Rodney Howard Brown, the supposed Holy Ghost bartender, who was visiting from Carl Strader's church. Rodney did the offering at the time. Oh, I bet he did the offering. They love to do the offerings. Rodney did the offering at the time and was one of the many, many pastors and leaders who received a real impartation from Reinhard Bunke. Oh, so you're telling me this line, signs, and wonder, Holy Ghost, nutty, charismatic, modern-day movement? Well, I know it was going on before this to a certain extent, but when did it really get ramped up? When good old Rodney Howard Brown gave the impartation to many, many, many pastors, including um, Reinhard Bunke gave this to Rodney Howard Brown. You, you kind of see why this is all kind of important, how it relates to one another. Now, this is a guy that makes a comment at the end. He wrote this article. He says, By the definition of the charismatic theology, this impartation was the power of the Holy Ghost to serve or pass on the power to others. You realize two things. One, Reinhard Bunke was the one who gave Rodney Howard Brown, Rodney Howard Brown the power which is the basis for the Holy Laughter movement. Pretty important. He's also the Pied Piper for the Antichrist, as we just talked about. Clearly predicted his, his appearance three days before he got here. And he was the one that basically gave the first impartation of the Holy Laughter Movement. See, I like going back to the root of something. We, you know, we, we can look at the branches and all this other stuff, but isn't it really important to look at the root of the rotten tree or the rotten weed? This is the root we're looking at here. Number two, this man mentions... If you have been in one of Brown's, Rodney Howard Brown's sessions of spiritual drunkenness and debauchery, you will have come to the conclusion that Rodney Howard Brown's power is the power of Satan and of devils. That satanic power came after Reinhard Bunke, after Reinhard Bunke's impartation to Rodney Howard Brown. Now, there's a series, and I, I, again, I have these, but I don't, I'm not 100% where you can order them from anymore. I do have the quotes from these tapes that I've sent out, and you can email me and I'll send them to you, on this, it, it was about, oh my word, about 20 hours of footage from these Pentecostal um, services where they go in and they slow down the tongues or they catch what they're saying off camera, like Rodney Howe Brown, Benny Hinn, Kenneth Hagin, these types of guys. And you see, and when you're done watching this 20 hours of footage, you can really come to no other conclusion but that these men are not just deceived, but that they are Satanists. Luciferian Satanists. I'm not exaggerating. 20 hours worth, you'll be convinced. Trust me. 
I watched them two times. And these were the things that the Lord primarily used to get me out of the Pentecostal church. I had about nine or ten others that followed me out. Not because they were, hopefully they weren't following me, but evidently they weren't doing it for the right reason. Because within a year or two, all of them had went back into it. Knowing all the information about the King James Bible, having watched this 20 hours of footage, seeing them speak in demonic tongues, seeing them say all kind of, you know, Hail Satan, calling on the God of Bacchus, um, all these blasphemous, blasphemous things that they do. And it was recorded, and it got caught on film. And um, they all went back into it. Why? Because the heart is deceitful above all things, and desperately wicked, who can know it? Heart is a very powerful thing. If you follow your heart, you will definitely end up in hell. And um, this is just very, very major stuff, because this is where it started. The modern day movement started, essentially, when Reinhard Bunke started to give these impartations. And then it goes on to say, I must risk boring you now with the history of Reinhard Bunke as a missionary and his work in Africa up to recent times. This will show you that he was Satan's choice as false prophet in Nairobi, Kenya in 1988 in a Muslim village where Maitreya did appear. The following history of Reinhard Bunke is taken from the Dictionary of Pentecostal and Charismatic Movements. Zonderfan, um, who also publishes the, uh, well, they're in conjunction with HarperCollins, which publishes the Satanic Bible as well, and many other blasphemous books. So I don't, I don't really advise you getting a, uh, uh, anything from Zonderfan. And if you have any doubts on this, just email me. I'll email you the attachment that explains this. If we go further, this is from this um, Dictionary of Pentecostal and Charismatic Movements. Now again, this is not um, going after. This is from what they're saying. Okay, uh, Bunky Reinhardt, Willie Gottfried. Well, that's a long name. International evangelist Reinhardt Willy Gottfried Bunke was born in Konolsberg, Germany on April 19, 1940, son of a Pentecostal pastor belonging to the Federation of Free Pentecostal Churches. So he had, obviously, let's say some generational cursed baggage that his dad imparted to him or his family did. The Bible says the sins of the forefathers are carried to the third and fourth generation. From 1967 to 74, Bunky labored with meager results as a traditional missionary for BFP in Lesotho, Africa. In the latter year, he received a call to minister to the whole of Africa with the assurance that, quote, Africa shall be saved. That's a lie. There's no nation on earth that's going to be totally saved. The Bible says narrow is the way which leads to life eternal, and few there be that find it. In the Bible, the Jews, one-third of them are going to be saved, according to Zechariah, at the very end. They're going to be saved, but a third, but two-thirds are going to die. It's very clear, clearly he says that in the Bible. We've done whole studies on this. But here he says all Africa was, will be saved. We know that's a lie. In his first mass healing crusade, which took place in Gabroni's Botswana in April 1975, which began with only 100 persons in attendance and ended in a packed stadium of over 10,000. See, people will turn out like crazy to see lion signs and wonders. They will go nuts. And see, the Africans are already indoctrinated into this anyway because they emanate and operate through witchcraft. That's their religion. Voodoo, witchcraft. The reason that Haitians practice voodoo is because these were the same slaves that brought it over from Africa. Voodoo, what voodoo tends to be, is just more of a 
Catholicized version of African witchcraft. In 1977, Bonke purchased a 10,000 seat tent. You know, that's what we need to get, Doug. We need to get a 10,000 seat tent. I could be like Smiley Joe. And then, which um, this, this tent was often inadequate when as many times 40,000 people attended. Now, I used to be on Bunky's mailing list, okay, a long time ago when I thought this guy was a man of God. Because I said, like, I've been there, done it, and I remember getting his email, or his things, and every time I got a mailing from this guy, it was like, unbelievable. It was this, usually like this quad full brochure. And you'd like, fold it out, and it would be like this stage, and it would be looking out into the sea of humanity. Never! In America, have you seen this many people gathered at one place? There would be, on some of these, 500,000 people in one spot in the middle of this place out in the middle of nowhere in Africa. I'm telling you, I saw it with my own eyes, and it is impressive. So I'm telling you, as far as evangelists go, that say that they are Christian, I don't know of anybody on the planet that's drew more people in one place than Reinhard Bunke. Personally, I don't know anybody that even can touch the guy. Okay, you might not have heard of him here, but over there, he's been real big. Um, the blonde-haired, blue-eyed German Bunky was at a loss to explain his popularity among the blacks whom he identified everywhere he ministered, even in South Africa. Bunky refused to practice radical segregation in his services. A major attraction of Bunky's meetings were these signs and wonders that accompanied his preaching. That's why they went. With thousands testifying to miracles of physical healing and exorcisms in his crusades. No, but you know what? The, the, what I really look at, what's the fruit of this? A day later? A year later? Are we seeing this massive, fundamental, Bible-believing revival in Africa right now? that really want to live holy and really want to live like the Bible says, are we really seeing that in Africa? I don't, I don't see any evidence of it. I don't. I met a missionary from there not too long ago. And, you know, he was going on and on about, oh my word, some, some, some apostate preacher. I don't know if it was, I, I think it might have been Ronnie Harbrock. I, I forget which one it was. I knew who he was talking about. And it was like, you know, you don't even know where to begin with a lot of these people. They're so brainwashed. They're so far gone. You know, it, it's it's just, it's really sad. But see, they'll, they'll view a white man coming from America um, who has this gigantic following in America. They put him on this pedestal. And that's why the Bible says, Thus saith the Lord, Cursed be the man that trusteth in man, and that maketh flesh his arm, and whose heart departed from the Lord. Jeremiah 17.5 We do not want to trust in man. Don't trust in me. Check me out. Don't follow me. Follow the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not your savior. If you follow Scott Johnson or expect me to whatever, you're going to go to hell. So I'm not holding Reinhard Bunke to any higher accountability than I would dare hold myself. You need to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and his word. That's what will set you free. Jesus Christ said, if you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Now what we always hear is just the last part of that verse. You shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Well, that's not the whole verse. We need to look at the whole verse. If you continue in my word. That's the earmark of a Christian. 
continuing in his word. Pentecostals and Charismatics don't do that. Catholics don't do that. The vast majority of the um, denominations in the world do not do that. They don't continue in his word. They don't even, they're not even reading his word. They're reading some perversion. They came from the revised version of 1881, given to us by two occultists named Westcott and Hort, who translated that from two Catholic manuscripts called the Vaticanus and the Sinaiticus, which ultimately came from Alexandria, Egypt. Talk about a perversion. I know this is a lighthearted teaching. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, I need to lighten up a little bit, I think. I have a lot of people telling me that all the time. Let go and let God, stuff like that. Sorry. Um, so, if we go further... So this was a major attraction to Bunky's things, the lion signs and wonders, the miracles of physical healing and exorcism. Now, I'm not saying the Lord Jesus Christ can't heal people. Or he's not perfectly capable of doing all of this. The problem I always see associated with this is that I see nobody operating in this vein doing it biblically. Ever. It's always intermingled with all this false doctrine, false prophecies, elevating man instead of elevating Jesus Christ, always connected with greed, filthy lucre, money, always connected with some denomination that is yoked up with the government, never emphasizing the word of God, ever emphasizing being entertained. Doesn't line up with the Bible, I'm sorry. I do believe that in the end times there are going to be actual biblical healings and these types of things more and more and more. Because the Bible says, as darkness is increaseth, therefore grace all the more abounds. So I do believe that the Lord is not just going to sit idly by and let all these lying signs and wonders and then do nothing. He's, I believe He's going to protect his, his remnant and His elect. And I do believe that, that He has the power to do all these things. They just need to be done in a biblical way. So if we go further, um, Bunky also featured in many meetings where bonfires were set and converts burned their magic amulets and charms associated with witchcraft. That's a good thing. Okay, that's a good thing. But what he's indoctrinating, indoctrinating them into is just a different kind of witchcraft. called charismatic witchcraft. Okay? Everywhere Bunky encouraged his converts to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which was the evidence of speaking in tongues, another lie from the pit of hell. Another lie from the pit of hell. It, many Pentecostals and Charismatics believe that unless you're speaking in tongues, you don't have the Holy Spirit. What does that do? Well, they get real prideful. Trust me. Oh, we speak in tongues and you don't. I thought the Holy, receiving the Holy Spirit was, was based on what we did with the Lord Jesus Christ. For you are saved by grace, through faith, and that not of yourself is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. If thou shalt confess the Lord Jesus Christ with thy mouth and believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. Romans, 9, Romans 10, 9 and 10. That's how we get saved. When you get saved, the Holy Spirit comes down and dwells within you. The Bible says, For ye are the temple of the Holy Ghost. Which temple are ye? In Corinthians. They say, it's if you're not speaking in tongues, you're not really... Here's what they imply. They normally will not come out and say you're not saved. They'll say, well, you haven't received the Holy Ghost. And then they want you to make that next logical conclusion, leap of logic, where, oh, you're not really saved. And we are saved. Because we're, we're, we're Pentecostal. We're charismatics. We can talk in tongues and you can't. 
I could I could talk in tongues all day long. I could do it right now. I, I could be really convincing too. I'm not going to do it, but I can. Did it for a lot of years. I did it for a lot of years. It's you know we 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 can put on a good act as a Pentecostal. We can put on a good act. You know, in the Bible and. Tongues were used for a specific reason. It was particularly to communicate the gospel message to another race of people that had a different language. That's how it started at Pentecost. People were hearing other people in their languages and they were witnessing the Lord Jesus Christ. And who was that too? The Jews? Well, the Bible says the Jews require a sign and the Greeks seek after knowledge. They required a sign. That's how God had always dealt with the Jew. But when the emphasis went off the Jew the tongues started to, to be de-emphasized as well. Many times, there's been many accounts I've read of people that like go over to Africa or some other place and they start speaking in tongues and everybody starts looking at them wide-eyed with this horrified look on their face. And when the person stops, he's like, well, why are you all looking at me that way? I've heard this on more than one occasion. And the people were saying, why are you cursing the Lord Jesus Christ? Why are you cursing him? Because in their tongues language, they're actually cursing the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not a really good indicator that it's a good thing. Sorry. I wouldn't use that as, you know... But that, that's, that's happened so many times. So... Bunky encourages converts to receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit as the evidence of speaking in tongues. A lying sign and wonder. Also, at times, thousands would be, quote, slain in the Spirit as he preached. Another totally unbiblical term. You go back a hundred years ago, this wouldn't have been a point of contention or debate because it didn't go on. Or if it did, it was in tiny, tiny pockets within total cults. Now it's just mainstream. Because a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, just read that. The church has been leavened. The sin, which is always a type of leaven in the Bible, has permeated the church, and now anything goes. It's like a three-ring circus in these places. During the early 1980s, Bunky's Crusades attracted some of the largest crowds in history of mass evangelism. One crusade in Nigeria in 1986 attracted as many as 250,000 in one service. There, I'm telling you, he way went over this. Because this was written in 95, and after that he had even larger groups. His crusades in Sowento attracted thousands of blacks and whites despite the official government policy of apartheid. <clears throat> See, he's bringing everybody together in what unity? Who's Lord Maitreya? What's his call going to be? Everybody needs to rise up in unity. Who did Reinhard Bunke point everybody to that day in 1988 in Nairobi, Kenya? Maitreya. Oh, wow, I wonder if there's a connection. In 1983, Bunke purchased the largest gospel tent ever. One that would hold some 34,000 people. Although it was torn apart in a severe storm in Cape Town in 1984, it was rebuilt and put back to use in 1986. <clears throat> Bonky's team reportedly reported that 1.5 million responses to a call for salvation, many thousands of whom were Muslims. Again, if there was this big gigantic revival going on in Africa like he says there is, I sure don't see a lot of evidence of it. I'm sorry, but I don't. By the mid-1980s, Bunky also began conducting leadership conferences in Africa and Europe. Ah, he started conducting leadership conferences because other pastors were looking up to him 
to get his false impartation, Rodney Howard Brown being one of the main ones he imparted to. I wonder how many demons he imparted to him that day. Because essentially this is what happens. You're imparting demons. You're laying hands on somebody and imparting demons. That's why the Bible says, lay hands suddenly on no man. It says that I believe in James. Then, his, quote, fire conference in Zimbabwe in 1986 drew thousands of African pastors and evangelists. Can you imagine all these black African evangelists and pastors looking up to this man, thinking he's a man of God? So that was in his fire conference in Zimbabwe. While, while in um, Europe, he had his Euro fire conferences. Huh. Like the fires of hell? That's where he's leading people into hell. How how ironic. You know, Satan's just back, probably just in his easy chair, just laughing his head off over all this. People are falling for this. Um, his ministry in the United States increased after speaking in the New Orleans Superdome in 1987 to the Congress on the Holy Spirit and World Evangelization. Doug, that might be something you want to check out. I don't know. What do you think? Um, so yeah, this was the Congress on the Holy Spirit in World Evangelization. World Evangelization. In 1987, Bunky moved his family from Johannesburg, where he'd lived for many years, to Frankfurt, West Germany, where he set up his headquarters for his organization, which had its legal beginning. you got to always be yoked up with the state. Have your legal, make sure you got all your paperwork right. You know, I mean... Didn't Jesus and the disciples get all yoked up with the state and make sure they, they went to a state-sponsored cemetery, a se- I mean seminary, in order to get their license to preach in their given state, and then yoke up with the state in a 501c3 status, and a corporate status? Didn't Jesus and the disciples do all that? Didn't they instruct all their others to do that? Oh, no, they didn't. Oh, maybe because it affects you. Maybe because it affects the church in a real adverse way when you yoke yourself up with totally ungodly, unbelieving organizations. Hmm. Maybe. But anyway, he got his legal status in 1972, which has been known as Christ for all nations. Notice how Bunky's emphasis has shifted toward reaching a lot of people individually at these mass crusades to now reaching the pastors, to now reaching the big organizations that control the pseudo-Christian religious world. He's having a bigger and bigger influence on these things. So the conclusion... We come to the conclusion of, by the study of Satan's men that Reinhard Bunke was clearly a prime mover in the Holy Laughter movement. He passed the power to Rodney Howard Brown, and we now know that Brown was, until that day, a dropout and an academic reject in the Rima movement. Brown has got his prima donna debut, and he became the bartender of Satan in the drunken orgies of the Holy Laughter movement, from which thousands of charismatics have fled in fear and embarrassment. Have you? We also see that Bunke claims that many of his now 2 million converts have been Muslims. This fulfills a prophecy reported by John MacArthur in which Melody Land, the Melody, a Melody Land prophet in 1970 prophesied a great movement of the Holy Spirit among millions of Muslims who would be filled with the Spirit. But no mention of salvation. Because they view that as salvation. It's not what you do with Jesus Christ so much. Yeah, yeah that matters a little bit. But... It's really being filled with the Spirit. So you got, you got Muslim tongue talkers now. 
Old-time missionaries knew very well that Muslims do not come to the Christ by the thousands. Research by Charismatics has recently confirmed that these claims, which were later made on TBM, are lies. Now, I'm not saying Muslims couldn't come to Christ by the thousands, but traditionally speaking, they don't do it, because if you come as a Muslim in a Muslim nation to Christ, you might as well be saying, well, I'm willing to get my head cut off. It's that important to me. They typically don't want to make that commitment by the thousands. They don't want to do it. Because they could have their head chopped off as a result of it. <clears throat> now here's the punchline. Bunky, source of demonic power of the Holy Laughter Movement, promoter of the unbiblical fire evangelism, and self-proclaimed evangelist to the millions of Muslims, was in Nibiru Park, Nairobi, the Thursday before Lord Maitreya appeared to a village of Muslims who were thronged around an occult priestess of Satan who carried a crucifix. This is a good scenario. I mean, what's not the like here? Now, you could go look at the photos for yourself. Bunky, for the first time in the history of Devil Maitreya, called the day Saturday following the city, um, Saturday following, and the city of the appearance of Maitreya. He's the only guy to ever do this. And attributed the appearance to the Lord Jesus Christ, even contrary to what the Bible says on the verses that we read earlier. The crowd, in, what Bunky was basically saying is, oh, Christ is going to appear here. But the Bible says, if any man say to you, here's Christ or there's Christ, believe him not. The crowd in the, uh, the, crowd in the Muslim village, undoubtedly aware of Bunky's prophecy three days earlier, at once fell down and worshipped Devil Maitreya, calling him Jesus Christ. And I don't hear Devil Maitreya protesting that one single bit. Let them believe their delusion. That's what he wants them to believe. Now, he goes on to say, I have to be careful now. You, dear reader, have no idea how I hate the heresy of a charismatic fire, holy laughter, impartation of power, slain in the spirit, and all the other unholy activities that go on and are passed off as the work of the Holy Ghost in the Godhead. Nonetheless, there are many charismatic movement who are truly born again by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, and I plead to, with you to come out from among her, my people. And I believe I exactly was one of them, so I can read this and say, yes, I believe 100% I was saved when I was in the charismatic movement. I do. But I also learned what the Lord's chastening was about in that whole process of coming out of that thing. And prior to that, the Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he also chasteneth. And if you, you be without chastisement, you are bastards. Chastening means like getting a spanking from like God. He's your kid. He can do that. So, if you're in this movement, and you're content to be there, and none of this rings true to you, and you think this is all heresy, then you're probably totally not saved. Because if you have no conviction, and the Holy Spirit lives inside you, why would you stay in something? If the Holy Spirit really lives inside you, why would you stay in something and be content and have no conviction to get out of it? Well, I can give you a verse that does relate to that. It's 1 Timothy 4.1. Now, the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, which is exactly what we're talking about today, speaking lies in hypocrisy, and having their consciences seared with a hot iron. These people that are in these movements that have no conviction of any of this have had their consciences seared with a hot iron and they do not have the Holy Spirit living inside them regardless of if they're praying in tongues 24-7. And then he goes on to say, I weep for you. Why stay in that whore system? 
if this quote Lord Maitreya is not the Antichrist, he's doing a great dress rehearsal, my friend. And that's what I say. I'm not going to sit here and say I'm totally emphatic and dogmatic. I think there's no better candidate. Personally, I think we've proven that point. But I don't, you know, I'm not going to be like, have my faith shattered if it's not Lord Maitreya is the one that's ultimately the Antichrist. I'm not going to, it's not going to happen. Okay? I don't have my faith in some event. I have my faith in the Word of God. I'm just trying to kind of point the way here, and I believe this biblically lines up with what could be the, the end time scenario. Your man Bunky is perhaps the greatest pivotal power source in the third wave Pentecostal movement, and he is Maitreya's false prophet. This isn't just something little and... Whoa, I hit the microphone there. Sorry about that. Getting a little crazy here. Um... This isn't just something little or something we don't need to think about or whatever. Uh, I think this is very important. The Bible says, Let Satan get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. This is, this is going to be one of the primary devices of Satan regarding the times that we're moving into. That's why I get into these subjects. Because most other preachers, unfortunately, don't even want to mess with this. I, I don't know whether they're afraid they'll discredit themselves. Maybe they'll lose a lot of money. Maybe people will think they're crazy. I don't know. I know the Bible clearly predicts this. You know, that's why we need to die to self and die to our reputation. And that our lives are not popularity contests as Christians. You know, and the Bible says, Blessed are you when you are reviled of all men, for great is your reward in heaven. If it's, for, if it's for the sake of Christ and the truth, you will be reviled of all men. All they that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. You know. Then he goes on to say, I predict, this man wrote the article, I am going to suspect two very likely points at which Maitreya will appear next. I am not a prophet, nor the son of a prophet, but I am not an ignorant of Satan's devices, as we said in that verse earlier. Jesus did not present himself to the elite in royal or religious power. This alleged Maitreya is doing just the same in order to perpetuate the, Masson, the Messi, Messiahic myth of the Antichrist. His policy is peace, and he approaches at first very, very softly. Daniel 8.25 And though through his policy he shall cause craft to prosper. Remember we've quoted this verse many times. Witchcraft is what we're in reference to here. He will cause craft to prosper in his hand. And he shall magnify himself in his heart. This is the Antichrist. And by peace shall destroy many. How is Maitreya coming? What is the greatest earmark of what his message is? Peace Peace and peace. Humanity. Everybody needs to be clothed. Everybody needs to be fed. Everybody needs to have water. Everybody needs to have health care. He's going to say what the masses want to hear. And by peace shall destroy many. Because when you enter into a covenant, and you enter into agreement with the devil, if that's what you're doing, you better really be careful. Because it's the same covenant of peace that he's going to bring to you that he's going to use to destroy you. You cannot get in bed with the devil and not expect to get burned. And then it says in Daniel 8.25, And he shall also stand up against the prince of princes, but he shall be broken without hand. He's going to stand up against the Lord of Jesus Christ, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. But he's not going to win ultimately. But he's going to have it his way for a time. Bible clearly predicts that in Revelation. He's going to pretty much have his way for seven years. I mean, granted, yeah, there's going to be a lot of things raining down 
from the Lord in this, the second half of the three and a half years, and ultimately he's going to lose. Then it goes to say, if you think the Pope is the Antichrist, think again. He is perhaps as much unlike Jesus as many, any man on earth. Thus, number one, I expect Maitreya to appear to the Roman Catholics who will mistake him for Jesus Christ. Now, I, again, I don't agree with this part because I think Maitreya in his website has clearly laid out how the scenario is going to be. He's saying the Master Jesus, who is going to be the head of the Christian churches, is already in Rome. He's waiting to take over. It's not going to be this Pope Ratzinger or whatever. Most likely, he's not going to probably be the false... I think that what we're going to be dealing with here, based on Revelation 13, we're going to be dealing with entities, these ascended masters, these basically fallen angels in, in, in human form, or whether they're Nephilim or fallen angels in human... It's hard to say. It's hard to be dogmatic about that. But you're going to be dealing with entities that are going to be very, very powerful in the realm of witchcraft. Remember, he's going to cause craft to prosper in his hand. Now, the number one earmark of the coming New World Order religion is going to be witchcraft. All the cults are going to come under one banner, most likely the Catholic Church, but ultimately that's even going to be done away with, because it's going to be about witchcraft. Why do you think they're preparing the kids with the Harry Potter and all the witchcraft-oriented cartoons and all these other things? the indigo children, and the star children, and the dolphin children, and all this other stuff that, that we're being bombarded with on the New Age. Witchcraft is going to be the coming one world religion in its purest form. I mean, if, if you were Satan, wouldn't that make sense? You know? So, he's saying that, um, that, that was his opinion on this particular thing. But I, I think that Maitreya's website actually gives the answer there. He's not going to come as, as the Lord Jesus Christ. He's going to come, and what he's saying is that he is a greater. He is greater than the Lord Jesus. That's what he's claiming. He's saying that he's just one of the ascended masters. This Master Jesus. And he's actually under Maitreya. This supposed Master Jesus, who's going to take over the um, uh, Rome... The Roman Catholic Church, and over the, the supposed Christian churches, he is going to point people to Lord Maitreya. Devil Maitreya. But if you think about it, somebody that came as appearing as Jesus Christ, that wouldn't be the greatest candidate to be the Antichrist, would it? If you think about it. Why? Because there's going to be a lot of religions that are not going to acknowledge him Jesus Christ as being somebody that can make basically run the world. Because he's not going to appeal to the Muslims, the Buddhists, the Hindus, the Confucian. He's not. But see, this devil betrayer guy is going to come and say, well, I am the Christ. I am the fifth Buddha. I am Krishna. I am Imam Mahandi of the Muslims. He's going to say, I'm everything. So that's how I believe it's, it's going to go down. Um... And that's the end of that article. And again, he says, last word, please don't make a fetish cult out of this stuff. You and I are supposed to be preoccupied um, with the Lord Jesus Christ and His word, not the devil's man. And I agree with that. I agree with that. Again, these are issues that would be nice if I didn't have to speak on them. But they're not being sp spoken anywhere else. They're not being given any other 
I mean, hardly any other place. I, I don't see it going on in the internet. And I don't say that doesn't mean that I'm better. There's not a lot of men of God who are preaching good things. This is just where the Lord has led me in order to fulfill this niche that's not really being talked about very much. Okay? Um, please do warn the other lost sheep and those sheep who are over cuddling with the wolf. <laughs> and... Uh, and then he said, the dear loyal saints in the United Kingdom, get down to London and spread the word on this. And if you got down to London, you might actually get to see old devil betrayer. Now, I think what we're going to do right now is go to part three, and we'll, we'll end there. What we're going to look at next is um, that this has been predicted by the highest level occultists for over a hundred years. So this is going to be the last confirmatory article that we're going to go into. So we'll see you on part three.